The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So let's get down to preaching. Titus chapter 3. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. The ushers will loan you a copy of the Word of God. Titus chapter 3. I'm going to preach this morning about three foolish men. Now, no one likes to be called a fool. No one enjoys that. But today, we might just discover that we are foolish at times. So we need to be careful. But we're going to preach today about three foolish men. Let's turn together. And let's go to Titus chapter 3. Let's all stand together. I mean, not turn together. Let's all stand as we read God's word. We'll go to Titus chapter 3 and we'll read the first seven verses. Beginning at verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward men, appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray before we go on any further. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have. Thank you for your word that you've given us. And I pray, Lord, that as we preach your word today, that your spirit would have liberty in our hearts and in our minds, and that you would instruct and guide us. Thank you for all that are here today. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. By scriptural definition, a fool is a wicked or depraved person, one who acts contrary to sound wisdom in his moral behavior, one who follows his own inclinations, one that prefers trifling and temporary pleasures to the service of God and eternal happiness. In short, When the Bible calls one a fool, it is referring to someone lacking in discipline and or understanding of God and his nature. Usually we apply the term fool to unsaved men. In Psalm 14 and verse 1 we read, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And we're comfortable and we're quick to call an unsaved man who believes not in God a fool. But are we so quick to point that finger at ourselves and say, Oh foolish man that I am. It is indeed possible for believers to exhibit the same characteristics of foolish men. In Luke chapter 24, 
the 25th through 27th verses, we read, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by the way, I, I, I would mention to you that in Luke chapter 24, he's speaking to his children. He's speaking to saved men when he says, O oh, fools. Now today, I would like to take a few moments and look at three foolish men we find in scriptures and the actions that made them so. And in doing so, my hope is that we will examine our own hearts and that we will see where it is that we too may be acting and behaving foolishly toward God. So number one today, we're going to talk about Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was a foolish man because he thought he could defeat God. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, I think I don't think I put that scripture up there. Let's turn there, if you would, with me. Exodus chapter 5, all the way to the front of the Bible. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. We read here, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Do you see that? Do you see what he said in verse 2? Who is the Lord? And, and this is a very arrogant saying. It's, it's just as arrogant as we read a few moments ago where the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He says, I know not the Lord. And such is the case with every blinded man in the world today. And of course, I'm, I'm referring to those without Christ. The fool has said in his heart, we read a moment ago, there is no God. And we would certainly understand the folly of such an opinion. However, what about the person who foolishly resists the urgings of the Holy Spirit upon their lives? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, scripture states, quench not the Spirit. And this, of course, doesn't mean that we, we quench the person of the Holy Spirit. Rather, it's referring to the graces of the Spirit of God. We're not, to, we're not to quench, we're not to extinguish the graces of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We're not to, we're not to attempt to extinguish those. And though these graces cannot be utterly put out or lost... They can be greatly dampened by our neglect of them. The light of our faith may, may begin to, to dim. The flame of, of love within our hearts can be abated. And we begin to wax cold towards spiritual things. 
the heart of zeal may pass into lukewarmness and indifference of spirit. The light of knowledge seems to decline instead of increasing. And all of this may come through many things in our life. Indulging sins, for instance. Indulging sin in our life. Uh, by keeping ill company. Hmm? And by neglecting the ordinances of God. Prayer, preaching, and the other institutions of the gospel. This passage of scripture is written to believers in Thessalonica. And Paul is encouraging them to obey the urgings of the Holy Spirit. Not fight against them. It's a foolish man who thinks he can resist the will of God. It's a foolish man who resists the urgings of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're doing that today, you are a fool. Because you are robbing yourself of the, of the many blessings that God has to bestow upon you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Oh, there's a, do you realize there's a battle taking place today in your life? You, you may not even realize it, but there's a war going on between your flesh and the Spirit of God. The Spirit lusts to, 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 to place in you and to, and to further in you these graces of God, while the flesh lusts within you to resist the Holy Spirit, to quench these graces from God. And it's a foolish man who thinks he can fight against God and defeat him. Pharaoh foolishly thought that he could fight against God and win. And so too do many Christians today. They fight against God and resist his teachings and commands. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 32, Paul writes, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, James writes, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We are so wrapped up in getting ahead in life. We are so wrapped up with, with owning a bigger house, a faster car. Uh, we're so wrapped up in, in having money in the bank so that we can retire happily and, 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 and be comfortable throughout life. Whatever happened to trusting God? The God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't have a retirement account. Does that shock any of you? I don't have a retirement plan. I plan, I plan on retiring in my mansion in heaven. 
And until God sees fit to call me home, if he, if he blesses me and gives me the strength, I'll keep on working until he does. How about that for a retirement plan? God doesn't need, God, God doesn't need you to invest in your IRAs and your 401ks. And, and listen, if you want to do that, go ahead. I'm not against that at all. We have any retirement planners in the room this morning? I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. But my retirement planner is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We fight against, we resist God today. Is there something in your life that that God has brought into the light and, and you are battling against the Holy Spirit over this thing? God has revealed something that you need to do differently, you need to change in your life, but you refuse to do it. You're fighting against him. You're trying to defeat the will of God because you don't want to let go of this thing. Well, then you, I'm sorry, but you're a fool because you can't defeat God. His will shall be done. Pharaoh thought he could defeat God. But in the end... Why don't we look at the end? Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Now, now understand, Pharaoh was the most powerful man in, on the earth. There was no one in the world more powerful than Pharaoh. Look at Exodus chapter 14. And let's see, let's see the end of Pharaoh. Look at verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning... Watched the Lord looked upon unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. They took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavy so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for whom uh, for them against the Egyptian. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea and the wa- that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. Yeah, Pharaoh thought he could defeat God. But he found out he couldn't. But he found out too late. So fool number one this morning is, is the man that thinks he can defeat God. And if you're sitting here today and you're fighting against God's will in your life, then you are a fool. Because you will not win. But then fool number two is Pilate. And Pilate, Pontius Pilate, thought he could deny God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, please. Matthew chapter 27. 
And we'll begin in verse 21. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 21. We read here, The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Pilate foolishly thought he could wash away his responsibility concerning the Savior. He thought that by ignoring the issue, guilt would not attach itself to him. He said, I, I see no evil in this man. He's done nothing wrong. Why, why do you want me to crucify him? Do you know Pilate had the, he had the authority as the governor to release the Lord? Do you, do you know that? But he was a fool. He was a fool. And so he took some water and he washed his hands. And he said, you do it. You do it. I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm clean. In James 4.17 we read, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, now to be fair to Pilate, he couldn't have let Jesus go even if he wanted to because he didn't have the power to overthrow the will of God. And it was the will of God that Jesus died on the cross. So to be, to be just a little fair, he couldn't, he couldn't have done what he did. But he, he attempted to, to disassociate himself from the, from the sin. He attempted to uh, blame something else. Over the years, I've known many Christians who had the philosophy... Don't confuse me with the truth. I'm happy in my ignorance. Yeah, I've known a lot of people who profess to believe in Christ, yet when you try to, when you try to tell them the truth, they don't want to hear that. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I, no, no. Don't, don't, don't confuse. Don't throw that at me. No, no. Don't, don't try to put that on me. I have nothing to do with that. Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you do. You see, ignorance of the truth is not an excuse. The responsibility to know the truth rests upon the shoulder of every believer. 2 Timothy chapter 2, <coughs> verses 15 and 16. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. See, Pharaoh, uh, or I'm sorry, Pilate, he was ignorant of who Christ was, but he should have taken the time to, to find out who Christ was. But he didn't. He chose to remain ignorant. And he tried, 
He simply tried to, to deny his responsibility toward Christ. His problem was similar to Pharaoh's. He simply did not know who Jesus was. And furthermore, he did not care. All he knew is that that man presented a threat to his harmony and he wanted him out of there. I've seen, I've seen men pull their families out of a church like this because they didn't want to have to deal with the truth. And they wanted to go somewhere else where they could, they could do what they want to do without being preached at all the time. And there are a lot of people like that. They don't want you, they don't want you to upset their apple cart. They just want you to leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. And they don't want, they don't want to take responsibility for their life as a believer. They blame society. They blame the environment they were raised in. They blame their parents. They blame their boss on the job. They blame the, the other drivers on the highway. They, they blame the, the grocery store clerks and the grocery store owners. And they blame this and they blame that. And they blame everything and everyone except themselves. I actually, I actually had a man once tell me that he was happy. Until I came along and stirred up his home with all this Jesus stuff. John chapter 13. Jesus says, ye call, me, you call, ye call me master and Lord. And ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, what's that next word? Happy are ye if ye do them. You want real happiness? Then obey the Lord. And you'll have true happiness. So let me ask you. Are you fulfilling the will of God for your life today? If you are. Then I know that without a doubt you're happy. On the other hand. If you're denying God your heart today. I also know that you're not happy. And you're never going to be happy. Until. You are in harmony in fellowship with, with your creator. Let me make a statement. The most miserable man alive is the Christian out of fellowship with God. I can promise you he's more miserable than any lost man alive. The Christian who is out of fellowship with God. So fool number one is a man who thinks he can defeat God. And fool number two is a man who thinks he can deny God. But then, lastly this morning, 
I want to look at Felix. And Felix thought he could delay God. Acts chapter 24, verses 24 and 25. Let's turn there together, if you would. Acts chapter 24. And we're going to read two verses, verse 24 and 25. We read here, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Do you see that? The preaching of Paul convicted Felix. So much so it says he trembled. But then he he did what so many people do. Well, Not today. Not just right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a month or two, maybe in a year or two. You know, I'm I'm young. I got my whole life ahead of me. I got so many things I want to do. I'm I'm not ready to get tied down with Jesus right now. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't know for sure. Because nowhere in scripture does it tell us that Felix ever had a convenient season to bring Paul back to talk to him. Uh, I I pretty much could infer that he didn't. But we don't know. But I I do know what his mistake was. His mistake was assuming that he could control God. His mistake was assuming that he had a choice. Or that he could interject his will into the matter. Boy, you know, that's a big problem today. A lot of people running around this country claiming to be Christians. Who believe that their will has just as much authority as God's will. Believing that they can decide when they're going to get saved. Thinking they can play. You know what they're doing? It's it's like playing... uh, Russian roulette. Huh? Spin that pistol and pull that trigger. Click. What kind of fool would do that? I mean, you'd have to really be a fool to do that. And yet men play with their salvation, their eternal life. Thinking that when they're ready, God will have to answer. Well, that's a fool. That's a fool because we know from scripture that all matters concerning salvation, including the timing of the salvation, is from the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we read in verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted... 
and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You don't get saved when you're ready. You get saved when God's ready. It's not your choice. You literally have nothing to do with your salvation. Not even the least little bit. Because even even the faith to believe is given to you by God. It's not your faith. Didn't come from you. You literally have nothing to do with your salvation. It is all of God the Father. Hallelujah. I was a wretched man. I deserved I deserved to burn in hell for all eternity. And then November 25th, 1981, I opened the word of God and God revealed himself to me. And he saved me that night. I had nothing to do with it. Not even being drawn to the word. I had nothing to do with that. That was all of God. That was all of the Father. And if you're sitting here this morning and you think you had anything to do with getting saved, you are a fool. You're a fool. Felix thought he could, he could put it off. He thought he could delay God. He thought, oh, Paul, go away and when I'm ready, I'll call you back. Well, guess what? Paul went away and he was beheaded and he could never call him back. Today, men walk to and fro on the earth, oblivious of the truth that God controls all things, including time. James writes in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know, it's a fool who, who makes plans for tomorrow. <laughs> it really is. Because you may not have tomorrow. You're not in control of that. Jesus said, take no thought for what? Tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. He said, tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. You got enough evil to worry about today. God is in control of tomorrow. He's, and by the way, tomorrow never comes. Because tomorrow there will be another tomorrow. So tomorrow's never going to come. So quit worrying about it. Yeah, we need an awakening today. We need an awakening today to the fact that we are to serve God now. In John chapter 4, Jesus 
saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus states, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Men have always tried to make excuses for delaying obedience to God. This isn't anything new. In Luke chapter 14, we read, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And by the way, he's the only one that had a legitimate excuse. <laughs> oh, the stories I could tell you concerning wives calling their husbands while we're in the middle of a building project and them hanging up and saying, oh, well, guys, I'll see you later, okay? I got. I got to go. I got to go home. So, what is what is your excuse today? What what is our excuse? What what are we going to say to the Lord when when the, there's work that needs to be done? You see, what's what's bad is when we come into a building like this. It's well kept and taken care of, and the musicians are all rehearsed and ready to go, and the song leader is handsome and strong and leads everyone so graciously. We tend to think, hey, there's nothing to do. Everything's done. Oh, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to be done. You know what? There's a lot of praying needs to be done. Are we sitting, you know what? Are we sitting in our pews here just taking, taking for granted and, and thinking, okay, pastor will be back next Sunday. You know, pastor's got to go through a lot to get his wife home. He needs a lot of prayer. We got a lot of praying that needs to take place around here. We need to pray for the lost people in this community. And we need to do more than pray for them. We need to go out and, 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 and seek them and witness to them when we meet them. We need to be shining lights in our community. So let me, let me just say this. Live in, as ni- live in as nice a house as possible. I mean, try to, have a, try to have the best home you can. Drive the best car you can afford to drive. Enjoy all the entertainment that is decent and right that you want. Love your wife. Love your children, men, with all of your heart. But not at the expense of serving God. In his local church. And you wives. Empower your husband to do so. If, you, if your husband is willing. To get involved in the ministry here. And, and, and do something for the Lord. Encourage him to do that. If your children have a desire to be involved. Encourage them to do that. 
God, listen, God has given us the ability to do all that he has called us to do. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now let me, let me quickly interpret that verse for you correctly. It's, let me paraphrase. I can do all the things that God has, has willed me to do through Christ. Because there are some things I simply can't do. Uh, you would not want me performing open heart surgery on you today. You would not want that. You also would not want me repairing your automobile. You better call Bob for that. Because right now, my window won't go up. Oh, or it won't stay up. Let me put it that, that way. I've got all kinds of stuff crammed in the door to keep it up. You, I can't do all things. There's some things I can't do, but I can do everything that God has called me to do. I can be a good husband while I'm being a good father, while I'm being a good employee, while I'm being a good friend, and while I'm being a good neighbor. I can do all those things through Christ, which is my strength. And at the same time I'm doing all of that, I can serve in the local church because God has given us the ability to do all those things at one time. What we need today is for people to make commitments and not excuses. But unfortunately, far too often, the response when God calls us to serve is silence. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. You know what? I I hope and pray that none of us in this room... I hope and pray the words no would ever come across our lips when we're called upon to serve the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 we read, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Oh, I pray that that would be the response of Every member of our church today. Here am I, Lord. Send me and I'll go. Today, let us cease from battling with the Lord. Let us acknowledge God and stop denying Him in our life and let us stand and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the blessing of eternal life that you've given us. Thank you for the grace that you've bestowed on us, giving us the strength, giving us the courage, giving us the power to live according to your will. And Lord, we 
We know today that we can depend on no one and nothing but you. That you are all of our hope, that you are all of our strength. But then, Lord, we also know that you're all that we need. You are all we need. So we ask that you would perfect us today through your Holy Spirit. And that you would use us. That we might fulfill your will for this church and this community. Help us today. I pray that that this message would have been received in the spirit which with it was given. Not to, not to point fingers or to make accusations, but to edify. To expose error and to exhort truth. So use this time we've had today. We ask that it would be used to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.